Hey, take your Bibles open to Romans chapter 8. And as you're doing that, I just want to give you a heads up if you want to take one of the grow cards today. I'm going to start a series of messages on August 13th that are just simply it's entitled Hard Questions. So you want to throw a hard biblical question that we have to address? Uh, we live in a day where, you know, there's just a lot of weird things going on. And sometimes we read the Bible and go, well, that's, I don't really understand. I don't get that. So if you have a question, you can help frame the hard question series by putting a question down. You don't have to put your name on there. It'd be helpful if you did if I have a question about your question. Uh, but, uh, you know, you can turn it in in one of the offering boxes or leave it on your seat at the end of service. And uh, I just look forward to uh, uh, really delving in and answering hard questions. Because I like hard questions. Which means I have a question for you. You know, in our world today, do you know what actually sells more than sex? Fear. Fear sells way more in our culture. Now, we live in a sex-crazed society. I mean, I get that. But fear, it sells way more than sex. Actually, it was in 1990, June 1st, uh, that uh, CNN began to broadcast the first ever 24-hour-a-day news organization. And certainly when it comes to news, it's the fear that keeps us going back there. And with all kinds of news, uh, fear is what really allows it to survive. And then also what came out in 1980 was a little PSA announcement uh, that uh, for my generation, the PSA announcement was for the parents. Do you know where your children are? Uh, because we just, you know, go outside and play until the street lights come on or until the sun goes down. You know, we were the generation that rode bikes without helmets. And, uh, and some of you are going, yeah, we can tell. Uh, but it was during that time that a very important campaign came out that uh, really changed uh, the American culture that we still affected as feel, feel the effects of it today. And it's called Stranger Danger. Uh, you're not to talk to strangers. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to greet them. You are to look the other way. Certainly, don't take candy from them or go pet their puppy. And uh, what it did is it actually caused our society to go from playing outdoors to playing indoors. And whenever you drive around neighborhoods and you see zero lot lines, that really is the result of the stranger danger because all of a sudden those who are selling houses recognize that people worried less about the yards and more about the space for their kids to play indoors. Of course, if you also look over the last 50 years, we've had a lot of uh, so-called scientists who have literally given 50 different warnings about the end of the world as we know it because of uh, the eco-apocalyptic nature of global cooling, global warming, and everything in between. No one ever challenges the next guy that comes up and says we have until the year 2035, until you know the, the heat's going to rise. Of course, that's the message that usually comes out in the middle of July for anyone north of the equator. We go, duh, that's kind of the normal hot time. But nobody ever challenges them on it, even though they've been wrong time and time and time again, because there's just something about fear that causes people to move politicians as we get ready to move into the horrible political season. A politician's going to stand up and say in one manner or another that if, if I'm not elected, the world is going to come to the end. America as we know it will be... You've heard the message. 
Now, of course, you put social media in on this, then we have all sorts of fears, anything from the kind of bacteria that comes through the, uh, the hand dryers that are in your local stores, to snakes being in ceiling fans, to, uh, to you'll miss out if you don't stay on this site. Of course, now the, the, the attempt of fear is aliens, to which all of America just went, eh, whatever. Because America, by the way, is the only country in the world that ever sees or cares anything about aliens anyway. Uh, but, uh, of course, the, the, the latest fear is that the feds are changing your money, so you better watch out. Your neighbor could be an axe murderer, so make sure you go buy yourself a ring so you can actually see how much crime is going on in your neighborhood so that ultimately you can get an alarm system and you can have a Wi-Fi system that connects to all the cameras so someone could go out and buy a Wi-Fi jammer and knock all of your cameras out. And I even started talking about artificial intelligence and Terminators becoming a reality. See, the reality is I don't need to sell you that we live in a fear-driven society. But if we're not careful, when, when you're in a fear-driven society where everything is motivated by, motivated by the what-if, we could be tempted to make safety and self-preservation our highest goal. Let me just say that again. We can easily be tempted to make safety and self-preservation our highest goal. Henry Cloud said, that so many people's problems come from trying to control things outside of their control. And when they try, they ultimately lose control of themselves. So what do we do? We, we buy insurance and we buy security systems and safety deposit boxes and backup generators and emergency supplies and survival kits. And of course, we're in Texas, so we buy guns and more guns. And yet more guns. We want to make sure that our financial future is taken care of. So we make sure to listen to the professionals. And we buy houses in gated communities. Because without even realizing it, we fall into the temptation of making safety and self-preservation our highest goal. But that's not new. It's just the world that we live in. Because here's the sad thing. We live in a fallen world, and the world just isn't safe. It's not safe. After Andy passed away on his motorcycle, of course, and I had a long, hard conversation about me and motorcycles. This will not come to a surprise to some of you. Motorcycles aren't safe. But every time you get in your car, you're not safe. Every time I get in a plane, I'm reminded I'm not safe, especially when I get into a spirit airline. But that's a... So what do we do? What, what's our alternatives? How do we fight against that? How do we, we live in a world where we are not controlled by fear? And really, that's a big part of what Romans 8 is all about. I want to pick it up, and, and before I get to the, the scripture, I want to show you a piece of paper. Because what I think that Paul, as you come to the end of Romans chapter 8, he, he, he doesn't use a piece of paper, but there's a really good story that's told about um, a guy that went to university and, and he was in specifically one of the hardest classes just called logic class. And the professor of the logic class was known for giving extremely hard 
exams. A lot like we feel like, how are we going to overcome? How are we going to not live a fearful life? But what the professor said is that you can take one eight and a half by 11 piece of paper and you can use it the day of the test. And so many of the students went home and they filled the front and back of their piece of paper with as much of the information that they could possibly remember. And none of them got an A. But one guy brought a blank piece of paper. And he got an A. And I think that as you're going, well, how does he need to get an A? I'm going I'm to tell you here in a moment. But when you think about all the things that we have fear to be fearful of in this fallen world, we think we've got to get it all figured out by writing on the front and back all the ways we can have safety and self-preservation. But what one student did was bring a blank piece of paper and set it on the floor. And then he invited a previous graduate of that class to come and stand on that piece of paper. And that person that stood on that piece of paper gave him every answer that he needed. And he got an A. Now, we approach fear thinking, how, how is it a blank something? And then all of a sudden when I said, well, somebody just standing on the paper, wow, that makes sense, doesn't it? Right? I just need the right person to stand on that paper and give me the answers. And that's what Paul is doing in Romans chapter 8. He's saying, let me give you a paradigm shift on your approach to safety. He starts out, and we kind of started out three weeks ago. You know, you, you don't feel any good? Well, Paul says, there's now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You can live a liberated life. You feel like you're never going to change, like the, the, the things that vexed you yesterday are going to vex you tomorrow. And Paul says there's no domination that sin has over your life. You can live a victorious life. You feel like your life is falling apart and suffering is the normal thing. God says, there's no reason for desperation. I got this. And you can live a life of expectancy. Today is all about your future. When you think about the spirit of security, it has everything to do with our future. Because fear dwells in the realm of unknown. You know yesterday, you don't know tomorrow. But the life in the spirit brings us to a place of security. So what does Paul say? He starts in verse 31. He brings a series of questions. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? 
Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angel, angels, nor rulers, nor present, nor things to come, no pow nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This portion of scripture, what we just read, it's the pinnacle, it's the top of a mountain where he is saying, let's take an assessment of where we live. And the security that we have in Christ Jesus is greater than anything that we can see. And for him, in this writing, as you, as you kind of just read commentaries and you look at the, 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 the Greek verbs and how he's writing this, it's like exclamation point after exclamation point after exclamation point after exclamation point. And so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, where do we go with this? And he goes, it's pretty simple. Paul is saying, do you get it? Do you got it? And then good. He's driving home this point over and over and over again for us to be able to say, oh, I get it. The light bulb comes on. But the light bulb stays on because you got it. And then you live a life that is good. Paul said, what then shall we say to these things? Now, when he's asking this question, he's referencing the scripture before. He's referencing what he has already said. That all things, all things good, all things bad, everything that's going on, God takes it and he uses it and makes it come together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's what God does. And because he does that, regardless of what comes your way, regardless of what you think may or may not come tomorrow, your future is secure. We have to quit trying and start trusting. That's why I like that last song that we sang, Build My Life On. The more I build my life on Jesus, I'm building my life trusting him, not trying to get it right myself. Because when I came to him, it wasn't just a matter of me getting across the salvation line. Whoop, now I'm saved. Oh, today I'm not saved. Today I'm saved. Today I'm not saved. No, I said, Jesus, my life stinks. I'll exchange it for yours. And I said, I don't want my life anymore. I want Jesus's life. And so in this, this process of growth that just takes place, his life is more expressed in an ever-increasing manner in my life as I stop trying and start trusting. 
So what shall we say to these things? Well, my, my future is secure. This life is not all there is. I'm promised a life with Jesus. My life is secure. I look forward to a day where there is no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. Because my future is secure. I'm promised a life where my efforts, my attempts at advancing will all be successful. Because I know that my future is secure. I know that regardless of how I die, and, and, and I, you know, this, this would always be the point of contention with the Lord. It would just be a matter of how I die. I was traveling with a guy from Pennsylvania, and he says, my dream way to die is, is in an airplane crash. I went, what? He goes, oh, yes. The moment that plane starts to fall, I pass out, and I wake up into heaven. I don't want to go in a plane crash. I'd like to go just going to sleep one night and just, you know, waking up in heaven. And we can talk like this because we know that our future is secure. And if Jesus doesn't come back and we, we go from this life to the next through the, through the portal of death, it's done one time. And I'll be raised again because my future is secure. Are you starting to get it? Because if you don't get that, none of us, none of, none of the other, none of the other part is meaningful. Now you have to live as hard as you can, the best you can, because this 60, 70, 80, 90 years is all you got. So you're going to be concerned about what the politician does. You're going to be concerned about, you know, the health of the future. And we were talking about no sugar. And, and I just can't imagine a life of no sugar. I might live longer, but I'd live longer not eating sugar. Because I know my future is secure. I don't have to be fearful. And so you got to get that. And you really get that the moment you say, I want to exchange my life for his. Because I understand that while he, ser he, he served the Lord and he did this life perfectly, he went to the, this horrific death, he did all that for me, so I'm going to exchange it. And if you exchange it, the spirit comes inside of you and there's a security that begins to happen. You go, oh, I get it. It really isn't about me, it's about him. And so then we move from getting it to making sure we got it, right? Now you may be the person, you get it one day, and it takes you a while to actually go, I got it. I, you know, he was talking about experiences. I'm not going to go into the full details, but I had a very specific dream. And I, I woke up, and my normal morning time, I start, I drink my liquids, I get the scriptures going, and I sit down before the Lord. And it probably, it probably took a solid half an hour before I got it that the Lord had actually given me a dream. Because, you know, I'm not so dense that light bends around me, for those of you that are into physics, but it, but it takes me a while. But, but life circumstance will always try to challenge you and your belief that says, oh, I get it. And then the circumstances come and you go, yes, but now I got it. And so when I'm counseling and talking to people and they're going through a hard time, I try to find out where they had gone through a hard time before. Because if the Lord brought you through then, 
Okay? You might get it, but now he's saying, I want you to really get it so you can say, I got it. But there are five questions that he gives. I'm going I'm to go through it rather briefly. I can't spend a lot of time on each. But he says, if God is for us, who could be against, against us? Now, you may, you may get the fact that you're going to get to heaven, but you may look at the world around you and your circumstance, and you think everyone's against you. And if that's the way your approach is to life, you may have gotten it at one time, but you got to get it again to where you can say, wait a minute, I got it. I can hold on to this now. Because, because while the world is against you, you are the salmon swimming up the proverbial stream. The whole culture we live in is profoundly different than kingdom culture. It is different. There are struggles that are associated specifically to following Jesus. But God is for you. So here's the beauty of it. You do not have to have a fear of failure because God is for you. So you move from getting it to going, ah, I got it. So that might be the very thing that you have to hold on to. That when, when you're at the pinnacle of where Paul is taking you in scripture, you recognize that you are not all on your own, that you're not by yourself, but God is for you. He goes on, he says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Well, that's a beautiful scripture. Jesus, because of what he went through, the God of heaven wants to give you things. And it was... You got to get this so you really can say, I got it. He gave his own son. There's nothing better for a father than his own son. And he gave you his best. And so he desires to graciously give you more. A guy by the name of John Stott said, the cross is a guarantee of the continuing, unfailing generosity of God. So I don't have to be fearful of a lack of provision, because God will give it to us. Now, I want you, you need to get this. This is important. I have found, and if you've been a follower of Jesus long, you found this too. It's funny because there's a maturity part of it. God, God doesn't give you what you want. He gives you what you need. But he's kind of weird this way, because when you first start following Jesus, your need is for every light to turn green to get to, to work on time. And so you go, Jesus, give me every green light. And he does. Until the next day when you're late again. And you say, give me a green light. And he goes, yeah, now I'm going to teach you a little bit of self-responsibility. Get you out earlier on time. Because while he does give us things that we want, ultimately he's going to give us things that we need. Why? Because my future is not found in the immediacy. My future is secure. And so I don't have to be fearful of whatever provision because God will graciously give it to us. You got it? Good. He goes on and says, who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. 
How many of you went through this week never feeling guilty about anything? If you didn't, let's talk. Because life, it, it just comes in a, at a way where we do things that are, that are counter to what we know to be right. You get, you get, the, get tired of swimming upstream, so you just let the, the creek flow you for a while. And it's not long before maybe your spouse says something to you, or you just look in the mirror and you start condemning yourself because, you know, if God justifies, well, then I got to make sure I don't justify myself. And the devil always works hard at making you fearful of accusations. Heard a guy talk about, do a sermon one time that, that talked about uh, the fear of men. And the fear of men is a very real real thing. He said he was so fearful of men that when he watched a football game and he, and he saw the offense come together in a huddle, he thought they were talking about him. Now, you live a life fearful of men. You're going to be concerned about what people are saying when you're not around. But it's not the people around you who justifies you. It's not the people around you who ultimately ease that fear. What eases the fear is knowing that I am secure in God's judgment. God knows how to make things right. And so I don't have to have the fear of that judgment. I can be secure in him because my future is secure. You got it? Good. All right. He goes on and says, who is to condemn? But what's so beautiful is what he writes immediately after that. He said, Christ Jesus died, arose, sits at the right hand, and intercedes for us. It's never just you before God. It's Jesus who went before you. Jesus took your penalty for sin so I can be secure in my future. Jesus lives for me right now so I know that I can live right now. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. There is no situation or no person that has more authority over me than Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father. And here's the beautiful part of it. He's praying for me. I need that every single day. He's got the ear of the heavenly father. And when all of a sudden I find myself in a place where I have this self-condemning feeling that overtakes me, I just remind myself that, you know what? There's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, you have to understand that no condemnation does not mean no consequence. I, listen, I've pastored long enough to, for Christians to believe that there should be no consequence to their dumb choices. How many of you have dealt with your own dumb choices? We all do. God doesn't take those are consequences, but there's no condemnation. My, my future is secure. And so I don't have to worry, ultimately, the final outcome. 
you can follow Jesus all the days of your life and make mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake, and you could end up in jail. But your future's still secure. Because there's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so we don't have to fear any kind of condemnation. You got it? Then he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? God will not leave me. You have to understand, Paul is writing this having experienced what it means to be beaten. What it means to have his, his arms latched around a pole while a guy would take a whip and 39 times open up the flesh on his back. He knew what it was like to be shipwrecked. He knew what it was like to, to, to endure having to escape in the middle of the night. He knew what it was like to go before judges and, and have his life put what seemingly was in, the, in other people's hands. And what you find about this portion of Scripture is that is, 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 is he's saying that, uh, he says that, I'm sure. He uses those words. The, the English uh, Standard Version says, I'm sure. New King James says uh, that I am convinced. That's not just an established I am. It's, it's this ongoing forever being convinced. Because there's all sorts of situations in our life that will always challenge this thing called love. Scripture tells us, real clearly that that perfect love casts out fear. And so what you find is that that you you find yourself in a situation and and you and you say I got it but but then you find yourself in a hard situation and and now you have Jesus nearby saying I haven't left you here. I'm with you during this suffering. I'm with you during this hard time. I, I haven't left you nor forsaken you. You're not oh good I got it. And we find that in an ever-increasing manner, we grow in being convinced that the God of heaven truly loves us. When you know that God loves you, you're you're unafraid, unashamed to go, I'm going to get out and live. I'm going to get out and take risk. I'm going to enjoy it. You find that you're, you're times where, like today, you're just all exuberant before the Lord, and sometimes you find yourself being a little surly before the Lord. Having been married for 33 years, Clarissa has experienced every mood that's possible in Rich Van Proyen. She hasn't left me. That's why the marriage covenant is so important. Because it's a picture of two people who are completely opposite. Coming together and uniting through all of your differences and casting away the fear of rejection. And so when we feel rejected, and maybe you've been rejected by people on this earth, but let me tell you something, the God of heaven, he's not rejecting you. You don't have to fear that separation. And when, and when you say, well, okay, I think I get it. A circumstance is going to come along where God's going to say, good, because I want you to go, I got it. Now I can hold on to it. So let's finish up with, with the good part. Because here's really where you go from here. Here's what you do. There are three, three words, if you're taking notes, they're not up on the screen, but I want you to write them down. It's outline, out loud, and outside. Outline, out loud, and outside. In this talk of security, certainly there, there is an area where each of us struggle in. So 
what you need to do is you need to take this Romans chapter 8 and, and stop letting the devil and your past, the past voices and all the different things, maybe their current voices, define your, your life. And you need to really outline Romans 8. Because here's what you find is that fear is really outside of Jesus. The, the, the fear of tomorrow, the fear of the future, the fear of the things that come upon us, the fear of man, the fear of uncertainty, the, the fear of, of, you know, of lack, whatever it might be, that's not in Christ Jesus. So you got you to go, okay, I want to make sure that in that area I'm in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means I'm constantly giving it to him. I recognize that this is an area, this is a weakness that the enemy comes in my life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to learn, I'm going to grow, I'm going to become a person who learns to live in this perfect love so that particular fear is cast away. So no longer does it have the ability to control me or manipulate me. When I do that, then I start living out loud. That means that I'm not living in a place of shame. I'm not living in a, in a, in a life where I'm going to only let certain pe- people see a certain thing. No, I, I'm now upfront about the issues, the challenges, the, the fact that Paul had people in his day that said, if you just look at his life experiences, obviously God's not with them. Have you ever felt like that? But when you understand that that's just a fear that's outside of Christ that's trying to get in and control and manipulate, you can go, wait a minute, I'm, I'm secure in him. And so I'm going to just tell people that's my challenge. And so you begin to go, I can live in authentic relationship. This is what's so beautiful that life groups are going to start back up in September. And I think that's a beautiful part of life groups is that we learn to live in transparency with one another. So that when we struggle with a, a fear of an uncertain future, there are people around that also are living out loud that are willing to say, yeah, but your future is secure. God's not separated from you. He's not left you. But I think the biggest challenge, and I, this is a piece I've, many of you have got to take home, is you have to choose to live outside of the framework of the fallen world we live in. I have, I have, and I've talked about this before, I've chosen to take and push away the fear of constant news. In fact, I, here a couple weeks ago, I, there's a particular website I like to go to and just get caught up and, and the Lord's saying, you know, you're not contending for your peace here. You're not contending for your, your, con- your contentment here. You're, you're allowing, this is me, this is not you, this is Rich Van Poren here. He's saying you're allowing an open door for the enemy to come in and bring fear because there's no shortage of it in our culture. There's no shortage of fear in our world. And so I have to make a decision to live out loud in this area, but then to live outside. Why do I need to know what President Biden is doing or what President, former President Trump is doing or anybody else? For me. Because when I open that door, Fear tries to get in, the uncertainty of the future. And so if you're going to make a decision to live outside the the fear structure of our world, I would also encourage you to to go to the previous one and live out loud in this matter. Tell someone. Tell them. Because when you tell them, the light is there. And it just gives more room for the Spirit to work and bring the security that He desires for us to have. Why? Because our future is secure. So Lord, 
would you just come? And Lord, we ask that, Lord, you would help us um, to outline the challenges and to outline the answers so that, Lord, we, we, we really choose to say that we're not going to live in the darkness of fear anymore, but we're going to live a life out loud with the people who are around us that, that uh, we can be encouraged by and will strengthen us. And, and Lord, we, we choose, Lord, to live outside the structure of fear that, that we live in. Uh, and Lord, I know and am well confident that your spirit will help us to, to navigate that because certainly, Lord, it's not the same for everyone. But God, you know exactly what we need because, Lord, we have said we exchange our life for your life. And Lord, for every person in this room, I pray that they will recognize that you are the one that wants to stand on that empty piece of paper so that, Lord, we are confident knowing in every situation that we have nothing to be fearful over, but that our future is completely secure in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right, well, let's stand together. Let's sing one more song, and then Bill's going to come, and he's going to close in prayer. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.